Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, always good to uh, be together with our church family. Man, this past month has been been pretty pretty interesting each week, whether it's a COVID flu or just a random snowstorm that blows through, and it all happens to be on Sundays to where we're not able to to meet up. And so this past month has definitely been uh, been interesting to say the least. And being a northerner, um, probably hear to my accent. So if I say anything's different or funny, go ahead and laugh. It's okay. Um, uh, when the snow came, man, I, I was super excited, but I was very skeptical because whenever they say it's going to snow, I'm like, okay, that means ice and rain and so on and so forth. And so Becky was really excited, and I'm not going to lie, I doubt it. I was like, don't get too excited because it's probably not going to stick. And 6.30 Sunday morning, I got up, and it just looked beautiful outside with all the snow on the ground. So I was very happy to be wrong, and uh, I rolled around like a kid and did snow angels and laughed, and my son did not. He stayed in the garage the whole time and just pouted and looked at me like I was crazy. So... But uh, anyway, it's uh, good to be with you guys. Uh, obviously, we still have a, a few families that are, um, are out this week, including Matthew and his family. They've been dealing with, with COVID this past week. And uh, man, it, it's, been, it's been a whirlwind for them these last few months. Um, obviously, recovering from, from his accident and then having to, having to deal with this. Um, I know it, uh, man, it, it's hard for him to, to be away from his church family. And he, he just loves us so well and cares and shepherds us so well. And him and Abby and their family do just do a great job of that. And so, man, if you guys could just keep, uh, keep them in your prayers. Um, he'll, he'll be back with us next week. I'm excited to see him and hear from him. Um, but, yeah, just go ahead and pray for him. And um, even better, send him an encouraging text and just tell him how thankful you are for um, how well he, he loves us and um, shepherds us and stuff. I'm sure he would, he would enjoy to hear that. Um, but anyway, with that, we're, uh, we're not going to be in Mark's gospel today. We're going we're gonna to hit pause on that. Matthew will pick back up in that next next Sunday. Um, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 26, um, verses 12 through 32. I know it sounds like a lot, but it reads really smooth, so it, we won't be here for more than two hours or so. But um, I'm joking, we won't, we won't be there that long. If we are, go ahead, come up here and take the mic off my head. But um, so we're, we're, we're going to be stepping into a, a personal story of a guy named Paul. And right now in Mark, we're going through a part where Jesus is starting to speak in parables and in stories of what God's kingdom is like. And he's not only talking about what God's kingdom is like, but he's also um, inviting us to participate in his mission, to bring heaven to earth, as, as we have been called as, to be ambassadors of Christ, to go and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. He has invited us in this awesome mission to participate in it. And Paul is an individual where we see him living this out. We see him participating in God's mission um, without being defined by anything else but Christ alone and by being governed and led by the Holy Spirit. And I just love that. I think it's great. You know, we, we look at um, you know, our, our building, very thankful that we have walls to meet in, and when it's cold outside, we can meet in here. Um, but man, this building doesn't define us. And um, uh, in the last few months, you know that we have been uh, trying to seek for a, for a new meeting place as we have to be out of the old cigar at the beginning of April. And uh, it's been super crazy, but we have a great search team that's been doing a wonderful job. And we have a, actually a great um, opportunity, which this is important for us to know, is um, February 6th and 13th, we're going to be doing a trial run, both of those, week back, both of those weeks back to back over at Zen. So I think it's this way, like 50 feet across the railroad tracks behind me, there's this, a venue called Zen. And we're going to be meeting there the 6th and the, thir- the, and the 13th to, to see if it's going to be a good fit for us and a good fit for them as we 
as we move on um, to meet in the future. And so if, if you're newer here and you're like, wow, that's a lot of news. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy the last uh, few months or so, but we're excited for what God has planned for us. And um, man, it's just, it's just good and just reminds us like, we're not defined by these walls, and we're super grateful to be here. We're, we're not going to be defined by possibly if we, if we start meeting in Zen to make it permanent. Um, that doesn't define us. Um, biggest buildings, smallest buildings, whatever, nothing defines us. We are led by the Holy Spirit and by Christ alone to go and to live out his mission. And that is a beautiful and great thing to, to be a part of, that God has invited us to, uh, to go and to, to help reach the nations, and specifically in our households. In, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. Like, man, what, what, what greater purpose and mission can we have in life than from God himself that we may go and do this as, as he walks with us? And so we're going to, uh, we're going to see specifically how Paul um, also wasn't defined by anything in his life. He wasn't defined by um, even the, the legalistic uh, chains that bound him at one point in time. But no, he, he was defined by Christ alone, and we saw what God did, did in and through him. So before, before we read through this um, and give you a little bit of context of what's happening here, we need, to, we need to go ahead and pray that God will prepare our hearts and, and prepare my heart as well as we walk through his words. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we, uh, we, just, we come before you and say that we love you and we thank you. Um, you, are, you are good. You are our creator, our sustainer. You have um, not only created us in your image, but you have redeemed us, God, as we have ran far from you. Um, Lord, you have brought us back by your son, Jesus, and your son, Jesus, alone. And so today, God, we just, we celebrate you, and we meet here today, and we, we bring our burdens and our struggles, and um, God, even, even the good things that you're doing in our life, and we just give everything to you. And we don't make this day about us, but we make, we make today just like every day about you, God, that we get to celebrate you, um, love one another, and God, that we would be um, just uh, excited and encouraged to go out and to love others in the same way that you have loved us. So I pray that you'd be um, with, with me, God, help uh, me just take a, a seat back, a scoot my stool back, God, as you um, just speak to, speak to your people today, that our hearts would receive your word um, and you would continue to grow us to look more like your son, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I want to take a drink of water because my mouth is really dry and I'm sure you're, you're going to hear my mouth closing against each other. As awkward as that is, it's probably going to happen again. So Paul's the story that we're going to go through, Paul is standing before a king and, and a governor, and he's going to be giving his, his testimony and his story. And this is important because a lot of us, including myself, sometimes I'm like, man, how can I do this crazy work that God has called me to do? You know, we, we look at Paul and, and, and the other disciples and the churches that they planted, the, the craziness that they went through to see God do so many great works. I mean, you read through all, all the Bible, and you're like, man, I can never imagine God um, man, splitting a sea and allowing me to participate in that. I can never imagine God calling upon him to perform all these miracles and for me to participate in that. But man, we get to participate in things that are even greater than that. We get to participate in God himself working through us by the name of his son Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit to bring dead hearts alive. People who are destined to spend an eternity under God's wrath, they, are now have, they now have the hope and the freedom to celebrate and worship Jesus, not only here on earth, but forever in eternity. And we get to be a part of that. And so Paul here, he is, he is doing just that. And Paul's past, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard about who Paul is, but he's basically what we call today a terrorist. He was one who, he was super zealous and passionate of God's law. 
He wanted to uphold God's law to the extreme because in, in their beliefs, they knew, man, if, if we're not doing what God has called us to do, then the Messiah is not going to come. And so Paul not only was a very devout Jew, but he was a Pharisee, and he was someone who was very strict on his own life to the point to where anything anybody else was doing upon the laws that the Jews had um, and the Pharisees had stacked on top of God's law, they would call that sin. They would call that blasphemy. And Paul was one who, when these Christians came around, these people who started following Jesus, and after Jesus was crucified and he rose again, that didn't stop him from moving. Instead, the Holy Spirit started saving thousands of people, and so Paul wanted to be a, a part of the plan to stop that. And so we see stories where Paul was chasing people to different towns, bringing them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial in the same way that Jesus was put on trial. We even see that Paul was the guy who ordered um, a man to be killed, Stephen. We see is, is, is the, the first Christian martyr here in Scripture. They laid their coats down at Paul's feet. He was the one who orchestrated that. And in, in a moment, Paul is going on his way to Damascus to grab more Christians to bring him back to trial. And something happens, and he's going to speak about that in a moment. But the important thing here is Paul is going to have a different story. And it's not that it's his story that's important, but it's God's glory in his story that is going to bring people from death to life. And we can all relate that. We all have a story. We all have a story. We, all of our past, they, they might look different. Our sin looks different. But we all have a story that God wants to use for his glory. And he wants to be at the center of it. And he wants to be at the center of it that he may work in us and through us that people, all people, would come to know and trust in him. And so Paul is now someone who is uh, not marked by the, the chains of his legalism or the chains of his sin, but he's, he's marked by the freedom in Christ that he gets to go and he gets to preach and share the gospel. So he's doing this in Jerusalem. He's doing this in all different surrounding areas. And so he goes to the Jerusalem temple. The Pharisees that he used to belong to now arrest him. And they want to put him on trial. So they bring him to Caesarea, and they bring him to the king, and then the governor comes, and they want to put him on trial. And Paul's like, all right, well, let me go ahead and give my story. Let me go ahead and share my story and defend myself for why I'm in these chains. And so we're going to see here Paul defend himself to the king and defend himself to, to the governor. And then after that, we're, we're going to have a couple of, of points where we can look and say, how can I apply this to my life? What does it look like for me to participate in God's mission in the same way that we see Paul, Paul doing here? And so Paul stands before the governor and the king, and um, he starts in verse 12 here. He says, and in this connection, after going to foreign cities and trying to gather the Christians to bring them back to, to put them on trial, he says, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun, brighter than the sun that, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, he, and, when he had all, and, when, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So we have Paul going to Damascus, and, and, and he's angry. He's full of hate. He's ready to bring these people back to trial. And on the way, a bright light shows, not only to him, but to everybody around him. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever woken up at like 4.30 randomly, and you go to check what time it is, and the, 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 the light from your phone just like blinds you, and you're like, man, that's bright. This is brighter than that. This is even brighter than when 
you're a little kid driving down or riding down the, the highway. I don't, I don't think you're driving as a kid, maybe. But if you are and you look at the sun, you try to you know, think to yourself, man, I wonder how long I can look at the sun. You make it like five seconds and your eyes start to hurt and you can't do it. This is a light that is bigger than that. It's brighter than that. A light that sh- shines right onto Paul and those around him. So bright, in fact, that they fall to the ground. They fall to the ground and they start hearing a voice. And this voice speaking in their, in their language saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, first of all, man, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean it's hard to kick against the goads? Goats? No, goads. What is that? So goat is like a, it's like a, a piece of timber or something that shepherds and people used to basically keep their cattle in line. It, it, farmers would use to keep their cattle in line, and they, they would smack them or whatever to, to make sure that they're, they're going in the right direction. And Jesus is saying, you're kicking against the direction that God is trying to put you, and God is trying to correct you. He's trying to save you, redeem you, and put you on this path that God has called all of us to go, and you're kicking against that. And when animals would kick against this goad, they would injure themselves. They would cut themselves open. They would break something. They would get injured. So, so Paul is really injuring himself more than helping himself, and he doesn't even realize that until this moment. And as he's kicking against this, He's not only injuring himself, it's not, it's not a physical thing, but it's a spiritual thing. Eternally, he is destined to spend an eternity apart from God. And he was seeking God his whole life in the Scriptures, and yet he did not find him. And now the God of Scripture, the God of the prophets, the Messiah that was promised to come, Jesus, encounters Paul. He says, man, why are you trying to go in the opposite direction? And I said, well, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm about to, to totally reverse your life from the sin in your past. And, and Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. He is a guy with, with, with a really bad past who opposed God in the greatest ways, in, in the worst ways. God says, I'm, uh, Jesus says, I'm going to reverse your life and in fact, I'm going to send you to the same people that not only you're persecuting, but the same people who are actually going to hate you as well. Because as you go back to these people and you start to share the true God of the Scripture to them, you start to share the gospel with them, the Jews are going to hate you in the same way that you hated Christ and his followers, and even the Gentiles are going to hate you as well. But don't worry, I will keep you safe during that. Now, now this does not mean that Jesus is going to give us a comfortable life, or that our witness for Jesus is um, never going to be hard, that it's always going to be easy. What he's telling Paul is, Paul, you have, a, you have a race to run, and as long as you have a race to run, I'm going to keep you alive. I'll keep you safe. I will deliver you from your enemies. And the same is for us. We all have a race to run. Those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who are bought by the blood of Jesus, we have a race to run. We don't know how long that race is, we don't know how long our individual race is. God knows. He has set a time and the breath in our lungs to run this race. But we do know that however long our race is to be run here on earth, that Jesus will keep us for the sake of bringing the gospel to those who don't know him. Man, how cool is that? 
That is our purpose. Our time here on earth does not escape God's sovereignty. He is good and he has us here for the time that he needs us here to bring his good news to the ends of the earth. And so Paul says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all of the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds and keeping with their repentance. So he's saying, look, man, I did just this. God called me to do this, and I did this. I've been preaching the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and, and they've come to new life in Jesus, and I've been helping them keep up with their daily repentance or their sanctification. As we as Christians are supposed to walk in daily confession and repentance to God, dying to ourselves and to our sin and following him, he said, I've done this. And for, for this reason, the Jews, they seized me in the temple and they tried to kill me. And to this day, I have had the help that comes from God, just as he had promised Paul. And so I stand here testifying both to small and to great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. And what they said would come to pass is this, that Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And so Paul is now declaring the beauty and the truth of something that he once opposed and tried to kill. Paul is saying, look, the prophets... And what we know is the Old Testament saying, these prophets and these, these scriptures that we read, they were pointing to Jesus. And I have just been doing what God has been calling me to do to show them that Jesus is the God of the Bible. And that the Jews have been trying to kill me for it. That they've been trying to put me on trial for it. And yet I've, I've been doing what I used to oppose. And I think for, for myself and my, my, my life and Zach's life, the things that I used to oppose of God may not have looked specifically like Paul, but opposing God's design, running from God's design, try, trying to um, correct people who try to help me walk in the way that God wanted me to walk in. And now I look back and I say, man, since God has redeemed me and he has made me whole in Christ and as he is growing me each and every day, I'm far away from where Jesus wants me, but each day he's growing me to be more like him, I now get to live in the design that I once opposed, that I once denied. And that's the same for all of us in here who are a new creation in him. And as he was saying these things, in his defense, in his defense, Festus, the king said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. And your, late, and, and your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. These people knew how smart Paul was. I mean, he was a Pharisee, and he was one of the best. He was a very intelligent man. Festus is like, dude, you're, you're going nuts. All that learning, all that stuff, yeah, 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 it's, it's driving you crazy. And Paul's like, no, it's not. Actually, if anything, I have more light into these things than I had before. For the king knows about these things, and I speak to, and, and I speak to him boldly. He's talking about Agrippa here, or Herod. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. And then he speaks to King Agrippa, who's sitting there. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He's like, I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether it's a short time or whether it's a long time, I, I wished that God would not only... that not. I would too, God, uh, I'm sorry, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, 
but all who hear me this day might come such as I am, except for these chains. It's a tongue twister right there. But in other translation, Paul is saying, I, I, I wish that not only you, but others who hear this message, they would come to a saving faith in Christ. Paul, Paul is wishing, he is praying that these people who are hearing his message would come to a saving faith in Christ. He says, I, I wish these things for everybody who hears this message. I wish the gospel and the kingdom of God and the benefits that come with it would be for all these individuals who hear, except for these chains. Paul knows that being in the physical chains that he is in is worth giving the news that will free individuals he's speaking to and he's teaching and he's preaching to, that he will free them from the spiritual chains that are worse than the physical chains. The chains of sin and legalism that bound Paul and have bound all of us at one point in time in our life is greater than the physical chains that he is in. And he's like, I, I wish that you guys would have everything that I'm teaching to you that I'm saying to you besides these chains. And then the king rose and, and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, if this man could have been set free, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So, he's, so they're sitting there like, man, this guy's not even saying anything that's, you know, worse enough to put him on trial. Like he could have been freed a long time ago, but Paul appealed to Caesar because he knew that there was somewhere he needed to go. You see, when Jesus, before Jesus ascended to heaven as he was around his disciples, he gave him the great commission. We know he said, look, go to all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told them to go to the ends of the earth. And so Paul, in his mind, in their, in their mind, they looked at Rome as the ends of the earth. And so as, as much work as he was doing in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and around all those areas, he knew that the ends of the earth that he had to go to was Rome. And so he appealed to Caesar because he knew, hey, they're going to put me in chains. And Paul was partially a Roman citizen due to one of his parents. And so he's like, I want to appeal to Caesar so they don't kill me. And you know what? I might as well go to Rome and share the gospel. So he was destined to go to Rome and to share the gospel. And we see later many churches are planted in that. But Festus and, and Herod are sitting there and they're like, man, if this, if this guy would have just, you know, told us earlier, two years ago, then he, he wouldn't be in these chains. But Paul was in these chains and imprisonment for, for quite some time. So that brings to, to a couple points here that I think that we, we can take away with here this week that we can participate in the coming kingdom of God. The first thing that we see um, off of Paul's example is, man, we got to make Jesus the main point of our story. We got to make Jesus the main point of our story because he is the main point of our story. If we are followers of Jesus and, and we're sharing our life with people, Jesus has to be at the center of it. Not only does Jesus have to be the main point of our story, but, man, we have to share the needs and the benefits um, through Christ and the gospel. The needs that are satisfied through the gospel. We see Paul do this here. He, he makes Jesus the main point of his story. He could have very easily talked the whole time about how crazy he was, how nuts he was. He, he could have celebrated in his sin and said, yeah, you guys think you're crazy. You should have seen me back in my day. But he didn't do that. He he, he shared the, the lowliness, he shared the brokenness of his sin that he used to live in. And then right away, he, he filled Jesus at the center. He said, you know what? Jesus has made my story full and complete. And by sharing the gospel, by sharing God's glory through Christ in his story, 
He was sharing the needs that would be satisfied in the gospel. You know, I was at Miracle Hill this past Thursday. It's a, uh, an organization that helps people navigate um, getting off the streets with homelessness, with drugs, addictions, um, helping uh, reconcile families together. And one of the areas that we get to serve at each week is the rescue mission right down the road. And each Thursday, I get to be around um, men who are Christians and men who are not Christians. And, and most of the time, these are men who unfortunately have some, some mental disabilities where, uh, man, it's just, it's just hard and broken to see. And there was this one gentleman this, this past week, and he wasn't a Christian, but he was super happy that we were there. And he thanked us for, for bringing food. And, um, and he, he said he had never been to the Bible study yet. And so when we got um, to our seats and we started um, going through a passage and sharing you know, our experiences and our relationship with Jesus, um, he started inputting some conversations of like, you know, I, I love to self-heal. I love, you know, I'm really learning these things. I'm going to school. Once I get out of here, I'm going to start teaching people what it looks like to self-heal yourself, spiritually, holy, things like that. And, and none of those things are, are, are necessarily bad. Like, we, we should do things to help, obviously, um, you know, take care of our bodies and, and things like that. And, but every single time we were wanting to talk about Christ and, and the needs of the gospel, he would um, raise his hand and very, very uh, nicely and um, generously he would, he would talk about just his excitement for doing things apart from Christ. And, man, it was one of the best conversations I had because I didn't have to go on, like, some crazy defense. I was just able to sit there and be like, man, dude, like, I, I got it. Like, I used to live in those same ways. I used to, maybe not in the specific ways, but I used to want to care and build myself up and take care of my future and take care of my brokenness and my needs with my own, with my own self and my own ideas. And I was like, man, and I don't mean this out of disrespect, but those never satisfied my needs. Like, I was just finding myself more empty and empty and empty. Like, Jesus has satisfied me. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life that has helped make me whole again. To where not only is my life on a completely different path than what it was before, but I know that I have a greater purpose than I've ever had before. It's not like the guy right there, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll believe, I'll believe in Jesus, I'll follow Jesus, but just the simplicity of sharing the needs and making Jesus the main point of our stories, man, I don't know if anything worked in that, in, in that guy's heart, but I know hopefully he'll be back because we had a great conversation and I felt like he felt loved by me and I know that he, he approached the conversation well. And so Paul making Jesus the main point of his story, man, that allowed him to share the needs and the benefits of the gospel. And we also see a second point here of, of what Paul was proclaiming, that as we're proclaiming Jesus in our story, as we're sharing him, we must preach the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We must preach that. Just as Paul, in the, on the road to Damascus, as he was telling of his conversion to the king and to the governor, he's saying, look, Jesus himself approached me. Like, I'm done talking about myself and what I've done. Like, Jesus is at the center, and let me tell you what he had done. He had told me what his mission was. He had told me what he had planned for me to do. And we know that in, in his other letters to the church, he says, the truth that we stand on is his life, his death, and his resurrection. That we preach Christ when we preach him crucified. That is what must come out of our story. That we have been reconciled with God through Jesus' life, through his death, and through his resurrection. And because we have life in him, now when we speak life with people and we live life with people, we must celebrate that. Because there is no hope for us outside of Jesus and what he has done for us. If he lived and died but he didn't rise from the grave, we have no hope. But we have hope because God is alive now. And God is alive in us who call upon his name to be saved. So not only must our story proclaim the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, but, man, our daily repentance and faith must keep up in that and with that as well. 
As Paul was saying um, about his hope and what, they, um, what he hopes in seeing them saved, he's saying that not only would they be saved, but that they, that they would keep up with daily repentance in their daily walk. Our stories preaching Christ crucified and Christ risen from the grave, if we're not walking in that ourselves, then we're contradicting the things that we're teaching. So before we preach Christ crucified to others with our life, we must preach it to ourselves. As weird as it is, get in front of the mirror every day. You know, pump yourself up. Preach Christ crucified yourself. I don't do that, but as, as I'm spending time with God, man, and, and I spend time in His Word, he, uh, he reveals to me, you know, my sin and my brokenness and still in the areas where He wants to grow me in and make me more like Him. And through preaching Christ crucified to my heart and to myself, man, I'm able to go throughout my day, and as I walk into um, opportunities and conversations with people, man, I'm able to come from a place where Jesus is working in my heart, and I'm not just saying things that are contradictive to my lifestyle. So sharing Christ um, crucified, Christ risen from the grave, also preaching that to ourselves as we're walking in daily repentance. Thirdly, Ask bold questions and prepare for rejection. Ask bold questions and prepare for rejection. Paul, Paul tries to go to Agrippa for his defenses. Festus is like, man, your, your learning has made you crazy. And Paul's like, well, go ahead and talk to the king. He's like, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He's like, I know you got to believe. And the king's like, no, nah, man, like, you think you're going to sit there in a, a short amount of time and um, you know, persuade me, convince me to, to become a Christian? Ask bold questions, not in an arrogant way, but, man, out of, out of a place of love and joy in your heart, you know? As a football fan, if, if I meet somebody else who's a football fan, man, I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to ask them questions about their team. It comes out naturally because it's something that I enjoy. And our relationship with Jesus is we're talking with other people and we're sharing life with other people and we're building relationships. Man, ask bold questions. Hey, you know, I, I, I know you, you brought this up about religion or something like have you ever, you know, heard this about Jesus? Or what do you think, you know, when you hear about the name of Jesus? Like, asking questions that open the door in a friendly, loving way to where that conversation can go further, whether it's in that moment or down the road. And also prepare for rejection. We've all been rejected in different areas of our life, you know, friendships and, um, you know, whatever. We've all been rejected in different ways, especially in teaching and preaching the gospel to people. There's been plenty of times where, even to my own family members, that breaks my heart. Where after 30 minutes of them, you know, trying to, to ask me, you know, share, like, what is the gospel? And I shared, I'm like, man, I felt God, you know, I felt like I did a great job, Zach. And they're like, ah, no, I, I'm sorry, that's just not for me. I'm like, oh, that sucks. But pre prepare for a rejection, knowing that our job is not to save people. Paul's, Paul's mission here and in, in, in what he was driving to do was not to save people. He knew that that was only up to God. He knew that it was only... Take, it, it had to take Jesus to meet him where he was at, to blind him, to redeem him. He knew that, man, it is only God who can change our broken, wicked hearts to follow him, to run to him, and to love him. Nothing else but him. So Paul's not worried about him being able to persuade people. He's just like, look, I, I'm just sharing with you what Jesus has done in my heart. I'm sharing with you um, the glory and the beauty and the joy and the peace that I have in my heart now because of Jesus. So Paul's like, whether that takes a short amount of time or a long amount of time, however long it takes, I pray and I wish all these things for you guys except for these chains. So ask bold questions and prepare for rejection. It's okay. Sometimes when, when I get nervous to, to speak to, to people or if I you know, am afraid to talk to somebody about the gospel because um, you know, I'll get rejected, 
man, I'm humble because then it's like, well, I'm, I'm making myself bigger than what I really am. I'm making myself in control. I'm putting myself on God's throne, and I'm, I'm feeling bad of the rejection because that other people are giving to me because I feel like it's a personal attack against me. And God's like, God, God, God reminds me, man, it's not my job to save people. That, that's his responsibility. That's a responsibility that only he can hold. So I can speak boldly, and, and I can invite people into a relationship with Jesus and know, hey, like, I'm still going to get rejected. Well, I still get nervous and stuff talking. Yeah, of course. But I know that, man, it's not an attack against me. So I can be bold, and we can uh, ask good questions and prepare for rejection. And lastly, this is what Paul ends with is, Pray for those that God has in our life. Pray, pray for those that God has in our life and trust Jesus for each of these encounters. You know, Paul says, I, I pray for you guys. Again, I, I wish and I pray that God would save you and redeem you, and that you would inherit this beautiful eternal life that I have in Christ. Man, we have to pray for those that are close to us and far from God. The last four or five months, we, we have written names down on cards and we have, we have um, challenged one another and encourage one another in our community groups and here on Sundays to continue to pray for those individuals. And as I confessed at community group this past week, and I'll confess to you guys, there are times where my heart does not want to pray for lost people. There's times where I'm, I'm stuck in, in Zach's design and Zach's lane, and, and I don't want to pray for the brokenness and the lostness in people's lives and people's hearts. And so that, that's a reminder that I have to go back to God's Word. I have to preach the gospel to myself, remind myself of um, the wretch that I used to be, the guy who used to run from God's design and how God has saved me and redeemed me for his purpose. And then as I start thinking about those individuals who are on a pathway for just eternal sorrow and pain and separation from God, man, I look at those individuals, I'm like, man, I love these people. I don't, I don't, I don't know them as well as God does or, or as well as other people may, but man, I love these individuals. What can I do today to encourage them? What can I do today to place myself in their path so that way we can have good conversations? Pray for those who are close to you and far from God. And when you're lacking the desire to pray, ask God to give you the desire because that goes to show we don't have any power or any control to save anybody. It's going to come from Christ and Christ alone, even the desires in our heart. So ask God to change the desires in our heart and the desires to pray for those close to us and far from Him. And lastly, trust in Jesus for each of these encounters. You know, as, as we're looking to move on to our new building, and yes, Zen looks promising, and it could be a good thing if the trials go well. It sounds crazy as the trials go well. As, as we go in there on the 6th and 13th, it's going to be good, but just, just to make sure everything is good on both sides. But a couple months ago, we, we had no idea. Man, God, we, we don't know what this is going to look like. We have an idea of what this might look like or what we might want in this, but God ultimately knows where we need to be, not only as a church, but where our families need to be individually where we need to be, that we can trust in him to place people in our path that we may encounter them and bring the gospel to them. So trust in Christ for each of these encounters and pray for those who are close to us and far from God. And it's simply as this, as we, if you want to call it the, the word evangelism, I know it sounds very, um, you know, schooly and, and, and boring and whatnot, but I mean, it's simply as this, as Christians, we are breathing out in conversation what Jesus has done in our heart. Again, as I say, I'm a big football fan. It's easy for me to talk to people about football because it's something that, man, I generally just enjoy. So much more needs to be in our relationship with Jesus that we, we die to ourselves every day. We allow our joy and our peace and, our, and the love inside our hearts grow in Christ. 
And we're just breathing that out in conversation. We're breathing that out in conversation because there's nothing more great in our life that has made a change in our life like Jesus has. And not for our own good, but for, for the good of Christ and his glory and for the good of those who love him. So breathe out in conversation what Jesus has done in our heart and be joyful in that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Um, hope this is, was, was well for your guys' hearts today. It was for mine. And um, man, think about the different areas in your guys' life this week where you work at, where you play at, your families, where God has you. And ask God, God, give me a desire for the people in this area. And what does it look like for me to be a part of what you're doing um, in and around our city, in our church, in our homes, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to pray and then have a, just a couple quick announcements, and then we'll, um, we'll go ahead and finish with, with a song. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, just pray that you would uh, just take your word, God, and allow it to grow in our hearts, um, that we would work together as one body to serve our city, to love our city, God, to love our families and those in our neighborhoods, and God, those in our workplaces, that we would see the way you worked in Paul's story, and God, we ask that you would work the same way in ours. God, that we would not make this about us, but God, that we would live our lives um, for your name, and that we would preach Christ crucified and risen from the grave, and the great life that he lived for us, that gave us life in him, that we preach that with our words, and we would live that with the way we love others, God. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your name. Amen.